The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It is your boy, Nebias Wilborn, and I am in coming Georgia. No double entendre there. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep it clean. Keep it clean. Because we're gonna drink beer with the guys at Cherry Street Brewing Co-op here. And I am here with Chris Williams, one of the founders of this wonderful establishment. Kinda sorta. Kinda I sorta. In, I came in a little after. Johnny right here is uh, actually from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But uh, we opened doors in December 12, 2012. We got legal. Uh, we actually brew a beer to commemorate that. It's a 12 hop, 12 malt, 12% beer that we release every year on our birthday. And uh, we actually have a barreled aged version of it. We actually have it on tap right well, now. I'm, I'm actually sipping it now. Yeah. By the way, guys, this is Beer It Is on the C Spin Network. Again, my name is Vice Wilborn, and I am here live in Coming, Georgia, Cherry Street Brewing Co op with Chris Williams. Welcome. And he's going to rap with me. We're going to talk beer because my man Nick. Tanner is out buying a car right now. Buying a truck. Buying a truck, and he said it was going to be quick, but if you ever bought a car before, I think you all know, it takes a while, so I had to get started. Hopefully, we'll catch Nick at some point. If not, we'll come back, because I really like this establishment. But we're here with Chris, and we're going to talk about this 12-12-12 barrel-aged version that I am trying to slowly sip, because it is immaculate. It's a big beer. What do we barrel that in? Jefferson Ocean. Jefferson Ocean Barrels. And by the way, um, we have one of the brewers here, my man. Johnny. Johnny, last Bradley. Johnny Bradley. So, I mean, we have Johnny Bradley, a brewer. So, probably both these guys are going to be in and out on the show here. So, we'll have them both going. And, but Chris, let's talk about this beer. I get a little bit of maple. I get a lot of different things. Tell me about the barrels you aged it in. And go for it. Pretty sure it was a Jefferson's Ocean Barrel. Ooh. I don't know if you know about that. Oh, I'm familiar with Jefferson's Ocean, yeah. but but for the audience, explain to them the significance of a Jefferson's Ocean Barrel. Uh, Jefferson's Ocean was they. By the way, this is Johnny Bradley, one of the brewers there. Yeah, well, they uh, what did they do? They aged their beer in barrels on shipping containers and shipped it around the ocean, right? So mm-hmm. it picks up all the characteristics from the sea salt and uh, that, that environment, you know, alone. Very then, unique barrel. Yeah, and then we got. I think it was a 12 year. So I don't know if it shipped around the world for 12 years, but. So it's like Puffy, been around the world, you know. Yeah, yeah so we right. got the 12 malts, 12 hops, 12%, aged for 12 months in a 12-year barrel, which is... We like that number. It's, it's a good round. So 12 is a good number for you guys. Yeah, it's our lucky number. It's on the back of that T-shirt over there, by the way. I see, I see. I'm going to grab one of those before I get out of here. But, I mean, for you, other than that beer, right, we talked about this, and it's... It's a rye brown. barley one, so it, it picks up with uh, 33% rye. Uh, it's brewed with flaked rye and just regular roasted... Roasted rye, regular rye malt. And a bunch of other stuff in there, because we got to get the 12 malts. Right. I mean, but look, this beer, it looks good, it smells good, good mouthfeel. It works, man. I mean, so shout out to you guys. You're drinking the barrel aged one. Yes. I love the barrel aged one. So what what barrels did you use? Uh, This year was the Jefferson. What did we use last year? It was Elijah Craig 12 Elijah Craig 12 year. Elijah Craig 12 year. And so even that's still 12 (laughs) year, right? That's all about the 12. And we have 12, 12, 12 for next year fermenting in that tank right there. So and that's the game. We it on 12, 12. Yep. And that's the game. These guys don't play around. I don't play around either. Because, again, this is Beer It Is on a season at work. My name's Tobias Wilborn. I'm here at Cherry Street in Cumming, Georgia. I mean. And 
I'll keep it clean for now. As you know, we continue to go on. There may be <laughs> the some beer that the get, more beer as we go. It may get a little bit dirty. Yeah. No Jamal Anderson though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that being said, man, is there another beer that you want to try? Yeah, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I just had the Belgo the Belgo Rescue. I really enjoyed that beer. Tell the audience about that beer, Chris, and then I'm gonna get with you. Uh, we started brewing that beer. I want to say two or three years ago, something like that. Um, it's a Russian Imperial Stout, but we ferment it with uh, Belgian Abbey yeast. Nice. So it gives so it a little a twist on it. Phenolic-y Belgian dark fruit flavors. We ferment it at a much higher temperature. We started off at a low temperature, and then it gradually gets higher, uh, giving it those Belgian fruit flavors that we all really like. But we blended it with our house Russian Imperial yep, Stout, right. so it's still got the coffee and the chocolate. Yep. And I'm pretty sure this one was aged in a barrel. I don't remember. Well, we have a lot of barrels, so sometimes we lose track. So, but from there, let's talk about your barrel program. How'd you guys get the barrel program started, and what's going on with that? Mm, I want to say we have 50 barrels right now, something like that, which for us is a lot, because if you've ever seen our brewery, it's not large. We're not, it's tiny. We're but not I like it. about it. Right. But uh, we have a pretty good barrel program right now. We have bourbon barrels, uh, scotch whiskey barrels, tequila yeah, barrels. Tequila. We have a soy sauce barrel. Yeah. We have a... Maple syrup bourbon barrel. Oh, I like from, that. Uh, Nick at the Porter. Yeah, Nick, nice. Nick Shout out to Nick. Shout out to Nick. Shout out to the Porter, man. It's a great spot. It's a great spot. Um, um, we do a lot of wild beers. Um, red and wine barrels. Red wine. Yeah. Red and white wine barrels. So you guys mentioned tequila. I had the riffraff red. It's in a tequila port barrel. Mm-hmm. How'd you find that? How'd you come up with that recipe? Uh, that barrel <laughs> we got from a broker. Nice from, uh, barrel broker. A local guy, it's Brian Rains, I'm pretty sure is the guy's Sorry. name. And or Alan. I think it's he's our local I mean we met him and he's always been good to us, he's always sent us fresh barrels. Those barrels when they get here smell fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now okay the tequila is just kinda wet, you pop the bong and it just smells fantastic. <clears throat> nice. So, so the riffraff you gotta sniff it, inhale it a little bit. Yeah. And that, we've had really good luck with tequila barrels. We've done a bunch of different styles and then we did a Belgian IPA. We've done this beer. We've done a million of them, and they all have a, the tequila. Really imparts a unique, pleasant aroma and flavor. That I mean, it's just it, it's, we've had good luck with it. And so, like, what, what makes you decide? Because like most beers are either aged like in the bourbon barrels or the scotch barrels. What made you decide to do tequila? I think we just ran out of ideas, and we're like, well, we've done bourbon, we've done <laughs> red like, and white wines, tequila beers. Let's yeah, go with it. Let's go with it. Uh, so, I and think it's a bel- the riffraff is a Belgian. Uh, Belgian style IPA, yep, yep. and then we dry hopped it with Simcoe and Mosaic after it came out of the barrel. By the way, Simcoe and Mosaic for the audience, these are certain types of hops. So there's anything from like Simcoe, Mosaic, Centennial, Olympia, so on and so forth, even some exotic hops. We'll get into the hops later, but just kind of want to make sure the audience understands what's going on there. But go ahead. Yeah, so we dry hopped that beer after it came out of the barrel. So we Ooh. transferred it back to a tank, added dry hops, maybe roused it a few times with CO2 yeah. to release those aromas into the beer. Um, but that beer really came There's out. There's something about like the Pretty citrus nice. notes of the hops that we use and just the way it melts with the tequila has been awesome. No, I mean, it, it, the beer works. It's smooth. It's fun to drink. We also and did the Gremlin Growler, the Gremlin Gold Nail, which is a collaboration with the local growler shop, uh, Gremlin Growlers. Yeah. Gremlin Growlers, yeah. Glenn you know them? Yeah, no, those guys. Yeah, shout out to those guys, man. So he was just up here. We bottled that beer last week. Nice. I should probably get you a sample of that. So yeah, I definitely want to try some of that. Well, that's a Belgian Golden Strong in a tequila barrel. Right. And so, like, for people who 
Let me try to explain this. Like, if you've ever had like Victory Golden Monkey, mm-hmm. although I think this beer is better than that, but it's of that same ilk. Sure. There you go. <laughs> this one's got an interesting color because it was uh, also aged on blackberries, so it's kind of got. Now, where'd you get the blackberries from? Maybe a pinkish purple hue to it. Uh, Oregon fruit. Oregon fruit, yep. Oh, nice. And by the way, so Morgan Fruit's a local place up here near Coming, and so these guys are getting these. Or is it near Coming? Where's, where's, where's Oregon Fruit's. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but I'm saying but they're getting this stuff from people who, as we smell this beer. So, this is the. Gremlin Golden. The Gremlin Golden. With which, the black Which is bottled and will be going out for distribution. Yeah. Our local distributor, Liam Farmer, actually just picked it up some of this morning. 15 cases that will go to yeah. uh, local. See, there, Leon Farmer does coming, Athens, Gainesville. Nice. I'll have some of his show. Wait a minute. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. This beer right here. Okay, this is awesome. We're happy with how it came out. And Glenn was too, which was important. There's a lot of flavor going on here, man. A lot of I, I, I pick up the blackberries as you mentioned. It's a Belgian golden strong, mm-hmm. right? So it's light in color, high alcohol, light and easy to drink. The Belgian characteristics from the yeast give off those nice phenolics, give it those good uh, fruit flavors, which really went well with the tequila. Yep. And also with the black. And I just think it looks cool. Like yeah, it does, man. I mean, it. And this is one. You know, one of the things I always try to do with this show is, you know. I'm black on the weekends, but I mean, you know, I try to get this like for the minorities and for the ladies and people like that. And I think this is a beer that you can give to a young lady and have her smell it. And I brought a really bottle home, it. and my wife really loved this beer. It's a big beer, it's, but she thought it was fantastic. Right? I mean, because like the look of it is cool, and the it's nose inviting. on it, yeah, it's inviting. It's not intimidating. I think sometimes some of the big heavy stouts become intimidating, or some of the super. 150 IBU IPAs sure. become like just way too much. But a beer like this, that's still a big boy beer. It's approachable. It's approachable, drinkable, and lovable. Yep. I, I kind of want to hug it. I mean, but I can't. <laughs> I'll give you a couple bottles. Oh, you're so, you oh, you're so kind. Later, I, I will definitely hug those later. <laughs> and tell me about your brew system. What are you brewing on and how you guys are making the magic? Chris, John, one up. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, we have a 10 barrel system. Uh, we used to have a three and a half barrel, so they would upgrade. A lot of double brew days. Um, most every day was a double brew day. So we were churning out a lot of beer uh, on a little less. Hey, brewing system. a lot. Yeah, yeah. brewing a lot. Um, churning out a lot of different beers. For the love. So I want to say about a year ago, was it January? We got our new mash done, and that's been huge for us. So we're mm. 10 barrel system now. Rake and plow. Um, we're just stout tanks. Stout tanks. Yeah, I, I think we have uh, just a better a better workday. <coughs> nice. Uh, we're able to focus on the beer more. We're able to uh, our consistency. Is, You're not having to grain out as much. Right. Yeah. It's more just we're focusing on the brew. Quality. Yeah, the quality is better than you know double brewing 15 hours a day. You yeah, that's a grind. On that quality, yeah. whereas. Now that we're brewing, we have a much better, bigger system. We can pay more attention to detail rather than rushing. Our consistency has been better. I think our just overall quality of product's been better. Efficiency's went up. Efficiency's gone up. Um, but when you're a brewer and you're and working this hard to perfect a product for people to enjoy, that's those are important things, you know. So money well spent. Um, so we got a pretty streamlined system going right now. We have, I guess, six guys working here now. Uh, yes. A couple of cool seller guys, Clark and Steven. Uh, Mitch is an awesome assistant. Gotta have a Sellerman, man. Yeah. Sellerman matter. It's, yeah. it's a lot of work. It's huge. So we come in every every day, and people just sort of know 
you know what they have to do that day and we all work together and kind of got it streamlined right now it feels good so we're, we're, we're chugging right along so. nice and so explain to me how this place works because it's co-op from what i understand nick tanner he's the son Rick Tanner's the father. There's a restaurant across that's Rick Tanner's, and then the brewery is Nick's. How does that work? So the restaurant was here first. Rick Tanner's has owned restaurants in the Atlanta area for 30 years. Legend, yeah. Um, he's had this one in Vickery Village for about six years now, I want to say, something like that. Nick used to live out in Colorado where he went to school, mm-hmm. and he became friendly with the family that owns New Belgium that you probably know. Yeah, about. yeah. Heard of them a couple times. Yeah, if you had a fat tire yeah, right. for the audience, you've heard of it. And they're, and by the way, um, I had Urin on earlier, and his uncle Peter. Peter, yeah. Yeah. We were talking yeah. to Peter, Peter about, yeah. who was a New Belgium guy, mm-hmm. legendary. Urin went out there for an internship or whatever and ended up homebrewing with Nick Tanner. Yes. With uh, Zach and, you know, the New Belgium guys. So wow. He's no, they've known each other eight or nine years probably. That small world yeah. of craft beer. Yep, yep, yep. All comes full circle. Yeah. So uh, a number of years ago... Nick moved back to this area and wanted to open a, a brewery. So, as we mentioned before, we got legal 12, 12, 12. And, uh, was it at 12 a.m.? That would have been great. Like 12, 12 that day. Just say it is, because I mean, sure. we'll go with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, you know. And, uh, yeah, Johnny and Nick had been friends for years, and Johnny came on board. I met these guys when I moved from California to Georgia and wanted to get into the, in the beer scene. I met Johnny first, actually. And, uh, through that route found in. Oh, nice. We got some got some chicken strips here that I'm going to try out a little bit later. We're going to get to those, but we got to do our thing here. But you were saying, go ahead. And uh, I met, met up with these guys and had a passion for brewing and interned here at first and then was nice. a job and then uh, the rest is history. We're all, we're all, we like brewing together and we're all friends, so it's a, it's a good situation. So, both of you guys, what's the first good beer you had? Starting with John. Honestly, dude, the first beer that I started drinking was Yingling, and then I drank Fat Tire with Mitch. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> hey, man, look. And ever wrong since then, that. dude, we went to Kroger every day and had, like, $10, right? I <laughs> like, what crap beer can I get? So, what, so where are you from, man? Like, what's your background? I'm from here. So, I'm you're from here. Probably, so, yeah. so, were you drinking, like, this? Well, first of all, how old are you, by the way? Uh, I'm 27. Okay, so, a little young. Okay, so you probably weren't drinking Dogwood, but oh, you were... Crawford's been around Crawford, yeah. Season. Yeah, Crawford's, Crawford's crazy. Man. I love him. He's, his bottle condition stuff... Smooth. Dude, I think I got a square peg he gave me for my birthday. Yeah, Crawford's a legend. I mean, and so, like, from the guys who've come from that five seasons, I mean, you have Garrett and Steve Anderson over at Red Brick. You sure, have sure. the guys at Slicing Pint, which is a really cool spot. Yeah. Um, you have the Torch Hop guys. And so, apparently, like, you kind of did some work with Crawford as well. I worked at five seasons for a number of years with Mitch. We worked over there, but we were just serving and stuff, you know? Nice. We always tried to get Crawford to let us brew it. <laughs> it was hard, because yeah. he probably wasn't he knows, giving up. He like, I mean, he does his own thing, you know? And, uh... So what was the first good beer you had? Do you remember? Or like, yeah. Mine was Duval. That Duval, was oh, yeah. I thought it made me think beer could be something that's what I was drinking. And by the way, I, so now we have my man Mitch Smith, another one of the brewers here. As we're talking about the game, and so we got the whole Cherry Street crew, pretty much, just kind of just rapping and talking, and <laughs> it, it just kind of this works out here. By the way, guys, you're listening to Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn here at Cherry Street in coming Georgia. Okay, real keep it, it gets clean. a little dirtier every time you say it. I know, but I try to keep it nice. <laughs> and from there, but now my man Mitch, he's been around, he's seen the game, he's knows the game. So Mitch. <laughs> 
what did you start drinking first that really got you into craft beer? Uh, I'd probably have to say IPAs. Nice. I mean, but like, do you have a particular one that you really liked? Chicken lips, dude. Ooh, okay. Um, I always, I always kind of, <laughs> kind of really like Lagunitas IPA. That one, West Coast style, has really impressed me a lot. Mm. Those are always good. And then, like, so what's your background? What'd you start brewing? How'd you get into the game? Um, well, when I was right around 20, 21, Johnny and I started to home brewing a lot, and um, just had a lot of fun with that. Figured, you know. Why we get homebrew. Why go buy a bunch of beer and we can make it ourselves? <laughs> and then ended up just buying more beer. So, what's your favorite style of beer to brew? Um, I'd have to say probably uh, any any kind of stouts or barley wines, anything with a lot of different ingredients, just because of the smells and watching everything. We are brewing that Maibach coming up. That's that's a fun beer. Oh my god! So, Chris, what about the Maibach? We do, uh, I think it's a triple decoction. Oh, my. So we'll take a portion of the mash over to the restaurant, which is actually right next door. Incoming, Georgia. Our brewery. (laughs) Heat up that uh, in a kettle, reintroduce it to the mash back in the brewery. So we do this three times, I believe. So uh, it's hard to explain, but it's a lot of work. But... It does give the beer a really unique mouthfeel that I don't think you can replicate taking no. shortcuts. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it is labor-intensive, but we're happy with how it's come out. We're very pleased with that beer. So of all the things you guys have brewed, well, well, well I'm going to go to you We'll say just today's tap list. I mean, you had the 12-12-12, barrel-aged 12-12-12, backpipe warrior, the barrel-aged coconut porter, which I need to try, and the shutdown stout, which I haven't had yet, so I need to try that as well. So, that's cool. That's our biggest beer. That's our in biggest terms beer. of gravity. Fourteen percent. So, like, tell me about that beer. Let's talk about Shutdown Stout. Shutdown Stout was first brewed two, three yeah. years ago during that snowstorm that yeah. shut down. It was Leon's Leon's snowstorm or something. Yeah, like that. the Great. snowstorm a couple years ago that shut down Atlanta when people were in their cars for like eleven hours. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So it's brewed to shut you down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the next day, Nick. Nick sends us all ticks. We couldn't get to work. The whole city was covered in ice. So I think Nick had had a couple cocktails at Pier Taqueria and said, hey, let's brew a beer for the snowstorm, and we'll call it. And I think one of us said, you know, shut down stout or whatever. Fair enough. Just kind of organically turned into an idea. So, uh, and we wanted to be our biggest beer in the history of uh, Cherry Street in terms of gravity. So we, we went big. Legally. So we Legally. Went, we went big, and uh, we brewed a 14%. Uh, well, 13.9, we'll say. Dry oatmeal stout, right? Yeah. And we brewed that beer two or three times since, right? At least no, two dude, times. That was the beer that we have on draft now. We love that hot Toberfest. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, wait, so tell people what Hot Toberfest is because they, they may not know. Hot Toberfest is a biannual. No, they do it once a year. Or once a year, once yeah. Every once a year. year. Once a year. Yeah, it's once a year. And uh, so it's a local event. I think. Who puts that on? Is it. Um, Oh, one that does that too? No, he no I don't think I'm doing it. So it's a local event, and they provide bourbon barrels or whiskey barrels or brandy barrels or whatever you would like. They send you a sheet. This is the barrels we have. Then you choose, and they send you a barrel, you know? Well, they sent us, I think it was a bourbon barrel. Right. Anyway, so we tried this beer. We put Shutdown Stout into it, our dry oven stuff, and it, we tasted it, and we were like, ah, it's kind of... Kind of light, kind of low body. Kind of tasted thin. Kind of thin. So. And, th- and look, and for a stout, for the people who don't know, 
the mouthfeel really matters. Because, yeah. again, like... Especially since it's an oatmeal stout. Right. It should have mouthfeel. Right. Well, again, like, the history of stouts mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily dark. They were just the heaviest beers that were brewed at that time. Same with, like, what porters were brewed for yeah. the rail conductors. But, you know, that's one other thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, stouts have to have the mouthfeel right. to me. So, anyway, this yeah. beer was lacking, so to speak, in a qualities that it should not have been lacking in. So we ex it, pulled it out of the barrel, put it into a, a keg, carved it up for some reason, but uh, I don't know what we put back into the cask for AK, but Timmy won. I remember that. Yeah, Timmy. <laughs> he won. Timmy, Timmy, Terry. And uh, he's doing standing pitch now. I hope that's all going well. But, um, but yeah, so that beer came out of that beer, but it's actually really good now. It must have been conditioning for a year and a half or so. Who is it? He's not here. Alright, so let's do a quick toss for the cause. We'll be right back, folks. Girls, we are back, and again, my name is Tobias Wilborn for Beer It Is on the C-SPAN Network, and I am here at Cherry Street with the boys. We're hanging out, drinking beer. If you hear any noise, it's me and the boys having a good time, drinking beer, some man crisp, and and my man Johnny. Don't forget about Johnny, because you got to be with a man who's actually... Who's actually brewing the beer and making the beer. Yeah, it was kind of right there, right? Right, right there on the chest. And, you know, we're... Partaking of some fine. What are you drinking on now? Beer. I mean, this is the shutdown. Stout. Shutdown stout. And shut down the shit. And I am trying to fourteen percent slowly sip it. I mean, like really, like take nips because that's a good idea. My God, this beer is amazing. So when so, we brewed that beer, we actually like bottled some of it, right? And we tried to do like a release bottle shut. They were ready for that. Stout. What are you ready for it? No, I guess the laws the government like, wasn't ready for it. were in like the gray area of the laws. Right. And they called us up on that day or something weird. Department of Revenue. And they were like, nice. yeah, the Department of Revenue, like, you got, we got, we got to shut down the shutdown. And we're like, you can't <laughs> shut down the shutdown. We, and shut, shut, down we the shut, shut them down from shutting down the shutdown. But you still put it out there. We put it, we out. Put it out there. It, 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 it went back and forth all day. We had until. to pour it into a... We couldn't serve it in a bottle. We had to pour it to a glass to serve Oh, not, and it had to be a very small glass, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. yes. it wasn't about being 14%. I know. Just being served in a bottle. Oh, God. But those, those laws have long come up. But, you know, it's a, still an amazing beer. And how'd you come up with this particular brew? Uh, like I was saying, Nick decided that we should brew a beer to commemorate the snowstorm that shut down Atlanta. So we just went 
big. We went as big as we possibly could. Um, the flavors are fascinating on this. We decided that uh, a huge oatmeal stout, for whatever reason, would just commemorate that perfectly. And uh, it was actually a pretty fun beer to brew. Um, and we were happy with how it turned out. And uh, it's big, it's flavorful, it's bold. Um, but we're, we're pretty happy with it. And people seem to like it. That's important. So, man, who is Cherry Street? Uh, Cherry Street, the name actually came from uh, uh, when Nick did homebrewing out in Colorado when he lived out there. They lived on Cherry Street. So that Cherry Street is an actual street in Fort Collins, Colorado. Fort Collins, yeah, that's a great beer city. Well, Nick, Nick got his feet wet kind of brewing out there nice. uh, with Zach and the New Belgium guys. And sort of when he moved back to Georgia, kind of brought that concept, that uh, idea with him. And that's sort of what we decided this brewery should be called. And uh, the ideas and the, and the techniques and the spirit of that kind of lives on in coming Georgia. Yeah, so, like, we really didn't have any money to open up a brewery. <laughs> yeah, who does? You know? So. Particularly in Georgia. Georgia laws make it really hard. So, I can say that. You can't, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can say it for us. I can say it for you. Because Georgia laws make it really hard for breweries, so, yeah. They sure do. So, back in the day, you know, when we opened, there was only... I think there's only like 10 or 15. Wait, you're 2012, so yeah, there was only that like was like jailhouse and red hair. And yeah, Monday night. There, night. there was no three taverns. There was no wild heaven. Wall, yeah. Wild heaven. Any of the, the guys. That creature you, comforts. Right, that no creature yeah. comforts. All the guys that you drink and enjoy these days weren't even around four years ago, and that's Which is not crazy. That, that's not a lot of time. Right. That's nuts. Which is great because it means Georgia's blowing up. So I mean, like, where do you see Georgia going? Uh, if the laws change, I think it'll be like North Carolina. It'll be like a, brew, a, a, a hub or a mecca of the, the East Coast. There's so many on the West Coast because they don't have the problems that we do uh, or have had in the past legally. So I think if, if we evolve as a state and we allow small businesses to operate as they should, we should be in good shape and we'll have a lot of great beer to enjoy for generations. So what, some things need to change for that to happen. So what, what would be your ideal, if you could have it your way, as far as the laws, what would they look like? What would it be that would benefit Cherry Street? Well, I'm from California, so when you go to a brewery, and I'm not, we're a brew pub, so we're, our situation But not the brewery, but that's one of the... Right, like you can order, we have a full bar, and you can order whatever you want right now. Right. But if you went to a brewery in Georgia, you can't do that. You have to yeah. buy a tour, or mm-hmm. be there from 2 to 5, or whatever. Yeah, I think we kind of lucked out being a brewery. Pub. Yeah, brew pub. Brew pubs have a lot more flexibility. Right. Right. Like paving the way. Like I, I want to say, like if I was a brewery, I would probably want to convert to a brew pub. Right, right. And being in California, if you go to a brewery, they open at eleven in the morning. They close at eleven at night. You, it's like a bar. You can right. drink. Go have a pint. Yeah. You don't have a restriction of what you can take home in a growler. It's mm-hmm. just people. I go to El Segundo and sure. I can buy as much Stone Cold sure. IPAs I want or whatever. Oh, yep. I can go to the brewery yeah. and buy as much Take This or Share This or you you know, can, Black you Tuesday can go or whatever. To, yeah. You can go to Stone Brewing. Yeah. You can walk in the door. You can go to the bar. You can order whatever beer you want. You walk out to the beer garden. You can carry it around. You can get as many growlers as you want to go. You can go to the gift shop and get as many bottles as you want right. to go. Like, there's no restriction and there's also no problem. Nobody has a problem. There's no problem. Right. So why don't we have those benefits? Those, but down here we have the three-tier. Yes. Yeah, three-tier system. So explain to the audience who doesn't maybe understand what the three-tier system looks like from the side of the brewer or... The three-tier system is where uh, we produce... We're a production brewery, so we cannot just say... We're, brew pubs are an exempt from that already because we can manufacture and sell directly to the public on premise. Mm-hmm. On premise. So on premise. breweries, you can't really do that, okay? So... Um, a big part of a three-tier distribution in Georgia is there's a middleman, basically. 
uh, beer distributor who comes in, buys your beer at a percentage, upsells it to the real, uh, the real uh, retail. Retail, yeah. Yes. So, well, I mean, like basically, like brewers in Georgia really only have an one to four customers, and those customers are who we distribute with. Who do we distribute with? No, 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 not who. But something like in Georgia, breweries really only have. Technically, one to four customers. It's their distributors, whoever right. they distribute. Right, and the distributors pass it on from there. Right. So, when in other states, that's not necessarily the case, which is fine. We're happy with our distributors, and uh, we have a good working relationship with them. But also, we want to be able to not be restricted upon what we can sell to the public, and right. the public doesn't want those restrictions either. So, I'm right. not sure who some of these laws are benefiting. Sometimes, I think well, it's, I mean, everyone just wants a cut. Right. You know? Well, like for me, like for instance, like okay, like I live in Decatur, which from here is a, it takes a, it's an hour drive to get up here. Now I did it because I like you guys, I like what you guys do, but I'm not gonna be driving an hour just to buy beer from you, right? Just because it's far. So yes, it would benefit me for you guys to be say in Greens and sure. right. some of the other places and, that's, and that's all that. The, and that's the upside of that relationship. Right. And we have no problem with right. that. That's great. That's, that's but if I lived up here, right. I would come up here and buy your beer. Sure. More often. Right. Which works out well for us because we can sell it to you because we're a brew pub. So yeah. you can sit down. We got 28 beers on tap right now and you can drink all you want. Six bottles? Yeah. We do, we do flights. Pints, we can do growlers to go. But like we said earlier, other breweries, not pubs, that. but breweries, don't have that freedom. So, and so was that part of why you guys decided to become like a brew pub or the co-op with, like I said, the dad and the son? No, it was just convenient because Nick's dad already had a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So for us to tack on a brewer pub license really wasn't much of a. Feat. And proximity to the restaurant was great. We're right next door to the restaurant. We can wheel kegs over there and sell them out of the restaurant. It's nice. That was just that kind of happened organically. And I think that we was a pretty no-brainer. much changed the law as far as Poopa laws in Forsyth or even maybe Georgia. Because yeah. Nick is very well involved with the guild and everything that they do. Thank you. Guild. Shout out to the guild. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, everybody. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Um, yeah, so they, we've kind of. I don't want to say paved the way because we just kind of wanted to do what we wanted to do. You know, so we had to do it the way it's kind of. We do it work. Yeah. Well, we we were the only brew pub in Forsyth, right? Mm -hmm. So there was. um, So Forsyth has been great in kind of working with us and seeing what what the public wants and trying to take some of those antiquated things off the books and making making sure everybody's happy. So that's been great. That's been great. And that's just making it work. I mean, because again, like what people don't realize is. Craft brewers like you guys employ people. Like yes. How many people like between here and the restaurant work here that wouldn't have gotten the brewery? Sure, a lot. I don't know. We got six full time in the brewery. We got fifty or more in the restaurant, probably. Right. So it's you know, hey, these all they all pay taxes yeah. and they all buy in the community because they exactly. live right here. Yeah. So that's money coming in. And there's a where we are. It's kind of if you come up here, you'll see. But we're kind of in a little uh, development. It's called Vickery Village. There's some shops. And uh, restaurants and eating places up front. There's sort of a courtyard, but back behind all this is a large neighborhood. Yeah. So the people that live in that neighborhood wanted a brew pub in their in their village. Basically, you got it. Yeah. I mean, they're walking distance to to us, or you know, they take their bike over or whatever. But yeah. they they were very supportive and really wanted to see this thing happen when we were trying to open doors back in 2011, 2012. So that's that's been great. Their support has been a lot to us. So we try to. Try to keep them happy and do things that you know that they that they wanted us to do when we were getting off the ground. Nice. And so, what's coming for? I guess in Georgia, we're kind of in winter now. 
it's maybe 35 degrees out. A lot of big beers, a lot of dark beers right now, and then, you know, we'll segue into the lighter, springy stuff. Um, but what we're most excited about right now is getting bottles in liquor stores and growler shops around the Atlanta area. So tell people how they can find you on social media and all those places. Cherrystreet.com. Uh, we have uh, Instagram that we post. We post a lot of stuff on Instagram just to keep people uh, updated. It's, on Instagram, flexing. Yeah, Brewing Co-op. Um, we're on Facebook. With updates, Julie does a great job with that. She's sort of a social media person. Shout out to Julie. She uh, takes pictures and big ups. We'll put little information tidbits down, and she, she's real good at it. Um, and we're real excited to get bottles in store shelves. We just rolled out our first round of bottles going out for distribution Tuesday. So nice. All and I have a couple. I took some pictures. I will be sending or sharing one or two with a couple of listeners. That's awesome. I mean, you yeah. know, I, I can't. Them all. Well, I could, but I won't. I'm going to be nice. forward to the feedback. And sharing with listeners and a couple places I'm going to go and share. The bottles? Yes. Cool. So I'll make sure I show some love to people. And so, again, hashtag beer it is. Check those guys out on their Twitter, on their Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, all that stuff. everywhere where there's social media. Yeah. Cherry Street is. So check them out. Check out Clark. He does some cool stuff. Clark's also awesome. getting handsome. Too. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, he's a dashing young man. He's dashing. So, yeah, he's on, he's on Snapchat as well. So check them out. Support them. And as they let me know you support them, I'll make sure I show you a little bit of love. Because they show me some love. So I got to send it back. Because Absolutely. that's how it rolls with beer. Um, so from there, like, just last thing. What do you want people to know about just the brewery, what you guys do, who you are, and how you guys roll? Uh, that's, that's a hard question. That's uh, a tough one, but hey, man, that's what we do here. We love, we love what we do. Uh, I take great satisfaction in. I come into work every morning. I work with all my friends. These are all my buddies. Right. Uh, we try to make a quality product every day. Uh, I used to work in a cubicle. Oh, bless your heart. Computers. So yeah. this is definitely a, a step up, and uh, I'm real happy uh, working here. And uh, we just want to keep making good beer, keep making, you know, having different uh, creative products come out of this brewery so that, that would be my answer yeah. <laughs> I'm satisfied man sounds I think, good I think we do a great job I, I feel like everyone here Johnny really awesome. is, is proud of I like it of, of working here I mean it's, it's cool when you can work you, you go up this and you're like oh you know I work for church people are like holy shit that was amazing. I can't believe y'all make you know the thank you for brewing beer and you're like thank you. No, Why are you, you. thanking me? Yeah. You know, I just, we, we just do it, you know. No, but I, I I'm a guy I, when I get a good beer, I thank the brewer because I'm like, I appreciate a good beer. Mm-hmm. Um so real quick, while I got you here, what was it like the first time? Because you've been here the whole time. Four four years. And you've been here not too far yeah, after that. Yeah. So what was it like each of you, tell me the first time you saw your beer on tap somewhere that you respect it. <laughs> well, I, uh, Mitch and I used to run a local growler shop called Crafty Draft. Bless yeah. Mm-hmm. They're long gone except for in Charleston now. But uh, we used to work there, man. So we, we only worked at the brewery part-time. You know, mm-hmm. So it was really cool. Like, oh, I spent all day yesterday cleaning kegs. And there's the keg I cleaned full of beer that we sent out to a distributor. And now I'm pouring it at the other That's job that cool. I worked so like, how did that feel like when you saw when you, Chris like when you would see people like you know drinking or John like, when you would see people drinking mm-hmm. your beer that you helped make mm-hmm. like that first time like I had to feel like amazing it, right? it felt cool but I almost critiqued myself you know I'm like what if that beer is not good enough you know what you if that keg is not yeah, clean enough like, you know what if it's too overcarved you know 
So, I don't know, I always got nervous, but, you know, we've built a lot of local uh, relationships and a lot of people around here that, you know, our beer, they, it always just shows up and they're always welcome to take it because, you know, we try to strive on quality and uh, quality is not, not up to par than really. You know, kinda, real quick. Yeah, I mean, we, we so, try really hard to get in the repetition of making sure we do cleaning essential every time, our CIPing and our passivation and making sure that our equipment is where it needs to be. So, Chris, same thing for you, like, where, where was the first place you saw your beer for? I think it was at Marlowe's Tavern. Yeah, hey, Marlowe's has a pretty good in, beer. Yeah. In the collection uh, here a number of years ago, I want to say it was our Saison, and I thought it was really cool. And then that was very early on when I started working here. And then I was, uh, I don't remember where I was, somewhere in Alpharetta, and I was actually with my folks that were in town visiting. Nice. And my parents were blown away that a beer I had had a hand in making was on tap, and there were people that they were ordering it at the table next to us, and they thought it was really good. And so it was really. Did you like, say anything to them? Yeah, I said, hey, that's cool. That's, my mom did, you know, how mom oh, she was yeah, like, mom. He made this, he made this. <laughs> and you're like, oh. Yeah, I'm like, shut up. No, so, mom, don't. <laughs> they were really, I think that was the first moment that they realized that, like, sort of what I was doing. When you tell your parents, like, you want to go make beer for a living. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. My parents, I got lucky, they were super supportive, but they were like, all right. Really? But I think in that moment, they were, like, proud of me for the first yeah. time or, like, realized what I was doing. So. Oh, wait a minute, there's actually some money in this. Yeah. Or, or there's, like, a living in it. And yeah. I think they were kind of like, oh, that's really cool that he did something that is making somebody happy that, you know, people that are enjoying it at the next table, and, and he can be proud of that, too. So right. it was just a very cool moment. It was, it was cool. That felt good, man. Yeah. And then from there, like, seeing your beer, like, when people drink it yeah. and just enjoy it, like, it has to feel good, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sure. absolutely does. Like, you've been sitting here. I've had a couple. I can't even say, like, thank you because you've just been like, oh, these beers are all magnificent, you know? No, and, and it just I, feels good. And again, like, if you listen to the podcast, you know, like, I'm told if a beer, I don't like a beer, it's not as great. Like, this place, Cherry Street, they're doing some really cool things. They had just had their fourth anniversary, so they had some really crazy beers on. A lot of big beer. A lot of big beer, which happens to be my favorites, generally speaking. And that's where I actually met Chris again, was at the Strong Beer Fest. Yep. Indicator at Wrecking Bar. So Shout out to Wrecking Bar. Shout out to them, man. Love shout out to Nick, Neil Engelman. Yeah, Gavin, the whole crew, man. We love those guys. They're really good people, brewing good beer. And... I think that Georgia is really coming along with the brew pub scene. Like I said, Wrecking Bar, you got Five Seasons, yeah. you got Tour Shop, you got Slice of Pint, yep. you got you guys, Cherry Street, man. The brew pub scene in Georgia is strong. I think it's uh, some of my favorite places to go have a beer are the brew pubs like down in that area, Little Five, Decatur. Um, yeah, five Seasons. Five sure. Seasons, yeah. We love the Wrecking Bar guys. Slice and Pine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Hop Alley. Yeah. yeah. Hop Alley, those guys are our neighbors. Brandon over there that does great And then Twain's in downtown Decatur. Twain's is awesome. We love Twain's yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah, he's got a new brew. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, there's a lot of growth in the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Bottom line, guys, my name is Tobias Reward. Spirit is... Keep listening each and every week as I put you guys up on game in the Southeast Beer scene. Want to thank Chris. Want to thank Johnny, Johnny, and the crew. Unfortunately, my man Nick Tanner couldn't quite make it. I mean, he's still buying a car, still buying a truck. A truck. Yeah. He's still buying a truck, a car, yeah, terracing around town. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, buying a car is a hard thing to do. Nick, I love you. I can't wait to see you again. I'll come back up. I swear. But once again, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for coming doing up, man. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, guys, if you come to the brew pub here, they have really good food. Mitch in the show, they make sure you a little bit of love. 
to be a little love. A little we bit of chicken lips. We got food. We got 28 beers on tap in the tap room. Another 12 in the restaurant. We got a full bar. We got a great bourbon selection. If you're into that thing, I know I am. Right. Uh, we got a lot of stuff in there, so come see us. It's a cool place. Up and coming. Yep. And I actually got to clean the whole episode. That was pretty clean. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. dirty one. No, not today. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. But I'll be back soon because I got to get Nick Tanner in. Yeah. He might give me a little bit of Jamal Anderson. All right, guys. Appreciate it, man. Love you, man. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tobias Wilborn. I am here at Cherry Street Brewing Co-op. And one of the men behind the meaning of co-op is here. Finally, he apparently had to go buy a truck, and it's decked out. I mean, the truck is nice. Bed liner, the whole nine. You know, I heard he had a Volkswagen. So he went from that to a big boy truck. And I'm sipping on one of his big boy stouts. None other than the man, the myth, the legend, the beauty beauty himself. (laughs) Nick Tanner is now here to join me. So what's up, my man? Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate you coming up today. No, I appreciate you having me, man. So So what have you enjoyed so far today? My God, just your experience in the ambiance. Get rid of that guy, Johnny. He sucks. But, no, seriously, man. But Mitch, too. Get rid of him. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously... These guys, they do some amazing beer. You have a great team. So, First and foremost, I'm extremely proud of my team. It's uh, The team is really what makes this brewery happen. Uh, even like a day like today, I had to go and do some other stuff. They were able to react to a couple situations in the brewery, text me and say, hey, this is what we're doing. And, uh, you know, can't, can't ask for that. That's amazing. So what I'm sipping right now is the coconut porter, but it's barrel-aged. Barrel-aged. Because the coconut porter is... One of my favorite things, you guys, I think that's like one of your number one sellers. Tell me about the base of that beer. Tell me about the barrels you're aging in. Well, the Coconut Porter is our top-selling distribution beer. Uh, we've, we've been distributing that beer for three and a half years locally in Atlanta and North Georgia. And I think that beer really fits a particular niche uh, here, in, here in Georgia. Dark beer over the years has come and gone. Uh, my particular favorite dark beer in the past in Georgia was Sweetwater Exodus Porter. The Exodus Porter. Exodus. Exodus was awesome, but yeah. uh, they just couldn't keep it year-round for, right. for forever. And so we, we put this beer out, and it sells, it sells amazing. It's definitely our top-selling beer for distribution. And uh, we take it, and what we do with the bourbon barrel aspect of it, we increase the alcohol a little bit. It's normally a 6% beer. We increase it to 8%. We add a little, more, a little bit more body and character to it. And we age it in bourbon barrels for a period of time. This particular one aged for about six months in an old Forester um, single select barrel. So really oh, yeah. you didn't play around. Barrel. Yeah, you, you went big boy. You went. We also increased the coconut a little bit too. So it definitely has a more of a standout uh, in your face coconut character within that nice bourbon and vanilla caramel back. It kind of reminds me of the coconut bomb by um, um what's the one? The was Oak Shop um, out of North Carolina. You know what I'm talking about. The uh, Oscar Blues. Oscar Blues, yeah. Kind of reminds me of the Death by Coconut. But I think it's better than that. And uh, it just has like more backbone. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a totally different beer. Death by Coconut, I believe, is actually can be misleading. It's not actually brewed with coconut flesh. We use a lot of coconut flesh in our beer. So they're cheating it, but you guys aren't. We have a lot of coconut. A lot of coconut. There's ways to get coconut in the beer, coconut flavor in the beer. We use real coconut in our No beer. extracts, no BS. No, 100% real. 
real coconut shreds. We take it, we toast it in the kitchen in our restaurant, uh, freshly toasted, straight blended with the beer. I think that's a, the different part of it too. The the physically toasting that coconut right before we blend it with the beer, I think increases the character and really makes it more pronounced. Nice. And so, speaking of your beers, speaking of the co-op, you and your dad, dad, the restaurant's on the right, you guys on the left. Tell me how that came into play. Well, it's been uh, it's been a little over 10 years, 10, 11 years now. I was in college in Colorado. I went to Colorado State University. Yes. And I uh, got more lucky in my life, and I met the family of New Belgium Brewing. So I actually lived with the son of, uh, you know, Fat Tire. Fat Tire, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so I got more lucky. I lived with the family. And, oh, wow. Uh, when I was in Colorado, I lived with the son. And um, so we... we we homebrewed a lot, and that's where really Cherry Street, the concept of Cherry Street came from. But at the time, there was a uh, brew pub that had just closed in downtown Fort Collins, Colorado, and my dad uh, and I had taken a strong interest into taking it over. My dad's been in the restaurant business for the past 30 years uh, here in Atlanta, and we were looking at taking that taking that out to Colorado. And so my dad and I really just had a uh, goal in life for about 10, 11 years now to open a brew pub together. So when that concept wasn't able to work out all the way um, a couple years later he ended up opening a restaurant here in Cumming, Georgia and the restaurant Rick Tanner's which is the spinoff of the restaurants he's had in Atlanta now to this month to December 2016 my dad has had Tanner's restaurants in Atlanta for 30 years wow and so uh, so you grew up in the business you grew up, I grew in, up the, in the business the grew up in the restaurant business uh, my dad likes to tell the story that he was changing my diapers uh, at his first location Oh, wow. Uh, so when he first opened his first location, he was changing my diapers. So I've been in the business my whole life, but my dad and I just had a goal to, to take it one step further. So after a few years of Forsyth County and the economy going down and the county kicking back, we opened the group up. Uh, it was slow to start, uh, but once we got going, we just started ripping. We, we opened back in uh, 2012. We literally got our final state approval in 1212 12 uh, hence the 12 12 12 beer and the and that's celebration amazing. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. And... Uh, so now, four years later, we've uh, we've expanded into uh, tap the tap room space two years ago. So this space here that you're in is two years old. Uh, this is our adult space, uh, and then we're about to expand further here in the next month or two into a double this space. Oh, so nice! We're almost about to double the size of. Where does it be like a growler shop? No, we do growlers here. And growlers, yeah, yeah. No, but we're gonna blow out this wall. We're gonna add more barrels. We're gonna add more seats, and we're gonna increase the um, brewing capacity next door so nice. we can get some more of this delicious beer out in the market in bottles. Because I hear you guys are like doing about a thousand barrels a year, which is nano brewing. It's old school uh, small brew. A thousand barrels is a good amount. Nano's, yeah. eh, nano, we started out nano. Right, but now it's a little bit bigger than nano. <laughs> we've, we've definitely evolved. Uh, we've got five, five, six full-time employees in the brewery, including myself. Um, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, we, we're getting into bottles this year, so this past year, this past year, we produced a minimum of 2,000 kegs. Nice. Uh, uh, we produce a lot of beer this year. Next year, we're getting into bottles. So we'll, we're going to be bottling. We'll be getting bottles into grocery stores and gas stations and liquor stores. Uh, that's what we are looking forward to more than anything is getting these bottles out there now. So, man, what was the first place you saw your beer on tap? How did it feel? Oh, man. <laughs> uh... Uh, the first place, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a shout out. the The first shout event, out the first event that I remember doing 
was at a growler sub that's not around anymore, but it was called Crafty Draft. Oh, yeah. Okay. We were, we were open for less than five months, and we were able to send eight different beers uh, over to Crafty Draft for a growler event the May, the May after we opened. So six months after we opened, we had a big old growler tap takeover at Crafty Draft. That was, that was my first memorable experience out in the market. Uh, the, actually, the first time our beer went... I remember the first time. Yeah. The first time that I saw and enjoyed our beer outside of our walls was at the Classic City Brewfest in Athens in April. And that's a big fest, man. Big fest. Huge Still fest. big fest. Huge fest. one of the good ones. So we ended up, we signed with a distributor specifically to start going that festival, to get yeah. to that festival. And then we kept selling beer, so. Kind of the blonde. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so the Classic City Beer Fest. And then uh, and then after that, there's some local places like Mellow Mushroom over and coming uh, that definitely have been supporting us. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been excellent. The response locally has just been great. And so, like, just seeing that, seeing yourself on tap, people drinking it, people loving it, that had to feel great. But there's other places we can feel great each and every week. Here on Beer It Is podcast on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. The name of the Marquise Beard is. And the name on the brewery to this week is Cherry Street Brewing Co-op. I'm with a man named Tanner. And his father owns a place right next door, Rick Tanner. The restaurant. By the way, I had some great chicken fingers from there earlier. Oh, got to have the chicken And had some chicken lips, you know, the whole nine. So salute to them. Thank which you, happens you. to pair well with the beer that I am sipping on now. See the segue? I got a little bit of game in this thing. <laughs> and it segues well to this blonde imperial stout. Yes, this has been a Tell fun one. Tell me about that beer. Well, years ago, um, you know, we, uh, you got to, if, if, if you can't put the word hop or hoppy in, the, in an IPA title, we had to incorporate hop or hoppy into our, our strong hoppy beers. Mm-hmm. Well, we came up with the drum roll. Bang! Hoppy Balboa IPA series. Bum, 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 bum. So the Hoppy Balboa Imperial Imperial series. The first one starts off with our year-round Imperial IPA called. That's the Apollo Green. A Hoppy Balboa versus Apollo Green. We use a lot of Apollo hops into that beer. Literally Apollo hops. Literally Apollo hops. The second West one, Coast hops, by the way. For, you know, great West Coast hop. Yeah. That's what Valley. Salute. The second beer the, that we made in the series is called Hoppy Balboa versus Clubber Lupulin. Ooh. Lupulin is the name for the hop powder that is in hops that gives it all its wonderful flavor and everything. Nice. Yeah, that's an English-style IPA. We did that for uh, Clubber Lang. We used Brewer's Gold, Bramlin Cross, and Challenger hops in that one. Fun hop names for that fun beer. And by the way, guys, on beer is like when we get the brewers on here, they don't mind giving up the goat a little bit because... They can give the house yeast, they can give the hops, but you still can't brew it like they brew it. That's why I love my man Nick Tanner here. Because he doesn't mind get up the game because he can still just he can give you the recipe. But you there's know, certain things you're not gonna know that he can do. I got a funny story about that, and I'll get to that in a second. So the third beer that we create in the Hoppy Balboa series is called Hoppy Balboa versus Thunder Hops. Ooh. Thunder Hops is our triple IPA for Rock for Hoppy Three. Right. It's a triple IPA. It uh, weighs in at twelve percent. Thunder lips, shout out. You got a uh, 
a left hook with some uh, peco hops. You got a right jab with some summit hops, and then you got a nice uppercut of some experimental holy hops in the hop back, followed by a double jai hop to take the championship there. That's a big one. That uh, nice. thunder hops triple IPA. That's where it's at. I, the, the way, I love one, the Rocky series of movies. So it's a, I love the movies. The fourth one is now what uh, what we're enjoying here. It's our Hobby Balboa versus the Russian. Now we get to the Russian. How do we make an Imperial IPA based around the Russian? Well, I finally figured it out. It took me three years to figure out this recipe in this beer. But we decided to brew a blonde Russian Imperial style. Right. It is true. Blonde Ivan Drago. Very nice, bright gold color. We use some coffee and a little cocoa nib in the beer, in the boil, to give it its nice roasty character. And we also use a lot of Chinook hops, which is right. an interesting segue to Rocky in this in this beer, is that the hops we used came out the same time frame that Rocky Five, Rocky Four came out right, in 1985. Yep. So it was a real, uh, real cool segue. Uh, connection there, and that's where that's where we went with. But but, but no steroids for Drago, right? No 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 steroids. Uh, just straight. Uh, no protein shakes, none of that. No, just straight keg lifting every day. We were power lifting those kegs. Right, I, I, but we were, I thought Rocky trained for that movie. Yeah, like, we had the, to with the with the old school, right? We, we had to drag those pallets across the parking lot with nothing but uh, boat rope. You know, we just we got skinny. But you had the music playing, right? You're oh, hundred percent of the time. Like, I had a tiger, man. No tiger. You know, we uh, to get back to what you were just saying, we. Uh, you know, I read something a long time ago, back when I was homebrewing and really getting into this all. I came across this thread where somebody was trying to uh, come up with a, a homebrew clone recipe for Two-Hearted Ale by Bell's, Bell's Brewery. Right. You know, shout out to Bell's. Shout out to Bell's. Huge shout out to Bell's. That's still a good beer. It's an amazing. And any of you nerds who are crapping on that beer, it's, fuck well, you. They, yeah, they need, to, they need to go back to why they started drinking beer to begin with. Amen. And Bell's Two-Hearted is actually still rated one of the top IPAs every year. As so, well as it should be. So. So screw them. Right. But I read this thing back when I was trying to brew some beer. Or I had actually, I'll tell you, to be honest, I had a friend, graduation party, she's from Michigan, and back in college, and she said, Can you brew me a homebrew beer like Bell's Two Hearted for my graduation party? Right. Because it's in Ann Arbor. Yeah. And back at the time, right. the Bell's wasn't, isn't distributed in Colorado. I right. still don't think they are, actually. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. But So I looked up this recipe, and I came across this homebrew post, this thread, where this guy called up Bell's, asked him for the recipe. The brewer picks up the phone, says, Yeah, man, write down this recipe. Here's the exact recipe. And, by the way, good luck. It'll never taste the same. Right. And he said that in a, in a wholeheartedly... No, no sarcasm. No. Yeah. In a good way, but basically every brewer has their house flavor. Right. And he said, I can give you the recipe, but your grain supplier is going to be different, where you're getting the hops are going to be different, and all that nice flavor that is built up in your brewing system, it's going to be different. Right. So here's the recipe, but good luck. And I just really thought that that... That is what the craft beer industry in the community is. Yeah. It is a, we're going to help you, we're going to pat you on the back, we're going to be side-by-side to support you. And and even before I got going, this was back in like 2011 or 2012, I was down at this event down in Atlanta, and Spike from Terrapin comes over, and I go up to Spike, and I introduce him, and I introduce myself to him. Hey, Spike, my name's Nick Tanner, I'm about to open a brew pub up in Cumming, Georgia. Pets me on the back, shakes my hand, and he says, good luck, if you need anything, here's my phone number, call me with any questions That's you true. And, and, and I just thought that was the most stand-up thing in this whole industry, is that they're here to help each other. We are, And it's not about putting each other's business or beers down, it's about bringing each other's business and beers up. So I'm just honored and happy to be a part of this industry. I love everybody that I get to deal with on a daily basis. Well, I mean, or not daily basis. Well, here's the thing, like, what I was telling people, by the way, guys, this is the beard is. Honestly, it's been there again. My name is Dubias Woolborn. I am here at Tracy Club with man Nick Tanner. We talked to the head brewers earlier, a couple of the guys, Dr. Chris. 
Williams. Now we're talking to Nick. And so one of the things I've learned in this business is that it does take a lot. I mean, it takes every brewery being good because I'm looking at your bottles. I got a couple of taken home. Excellent. And I am so excited. Yes. I'm going to a couple of the breweries. You I'm going to be, share. And, you should be excited. Please and I'm going to show some love. We are so proud of getting these beers and bottles out into the world. We, Our beer on draft only goes so far. Right, you right. can fill a growler. It only can go so far. Yeah. I can trade, I can but, trade people but We now. can put some beer, some of our delicious beer that we are so proud of, into some bottles. Oh, my gosh. It's We've, we've been seeing it travel across the country now yeah. and be getting checked in all over. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I got some guys out in Cali who are brewery fans at Modern Times who I can't wait to send them a couple of your things. So I'm excited about Well, that. off the record, I can always get you some beers to trade to get our beers out there if you need. Oh, I mean, hey, <laughs> just for the record, guys, if you listen to Beer It Is, if you want some Cherry Street beer, let let, let, them, let us know and we'll trade it your way. Hey, I may be able to connect you, but we'll we talk about that another time because Georgia laws are weird, but holla at me and we'll get you right. But from there, I mean, what's it feel like when you go on untap in some of these places and you see people... LA, out in Seattle, out in some of these places, drinking your beer. Well, it's just, uh, it's, it's, the, it. it's the most humble, humble feeling, really. I've always been, people ask, people have always asked, you know, why do you brew your own beer? Why'd you get into this? Or why are you doing this? And I've always said, I've always said, it's, it's being able to make something with your hands, give it to somebody else, and then them enjoy it. Right. Uh, there's a, there's a saying, there's a, years ago, on uh, Avery Brewing from Colorado. Shout out to Avery. Avery, shout out. Stouts, uh, they do it all. They, they, they do it all. Yeah. On the bottom corner of the old Avery Avery labels, it used to say, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, I never, I, you know, it's just a little little three-word thing on the bottom of a label. Yeah, it is. Never understood what it meant. Never really cared, could care, but I collected beer bottles, so I, I saw it a lot. It it dawned on me the first time I shared one of my homebrews with a friend, and they said, "Damn, this is good." And what did I say? Yeah, it is. And that's that, where, and that's, that's where you it came. Get, from. That's where you get the love from, man. And that's that's the feeling. That is the feeling right there. You are so happy and so proud of something that you made with your two hands, but for somebody else to enjoy it, that's the ultimate satisfaction. So, like, do you check the rate beer, do you check the untapped and all those sorts of stuff? I, I, it's hard, I, I do, I do. I have a thought I do about check that. Them. I do check them. I check them a lot, actually. Okay. Uh, my, first and foremost, we are quality control buffs. We want to make sure that our beer gets to you the way that we want it to get to you. Yeah. Uh, so, so the biggest reason why I surf these uh, rate beer, beer advocate, untap, right. I'm checking these places to see, to make sure that the beer is followed through. Because in Georgia law, I can't actually get, I can't take the beer to where it's being sold to you. Right. So I've got to make sure that in all aspects that beer is served properly. If, it, if it's at it, for, okay, so let me explain how to the audience. In Georgia, I do this, I do this show nationwide, so different laws, different places. Georgia has a three-tier system. So basically, in order for Nick to distribute his beer, he has to then give it to a distributor who then gives it to a retailer. Even though who then gives it to the consumer. Who then gives it to the consumer. So that's the three tiers. So even though Nick here, I can come right here and buy a beer that's as fresh as I ever get it. Buy the plant because you're a brew pub. 
which is a little different than, say, Reformation or Sweetwater, some of the other places. Right. But by for him to destroy it, for the BSA Sprayberry Bottle Shop, shout out to them. I saw you guys had a big shout release out there. Shout Sprayberry in the Growler Shops. Um, he has to first give it to a distributor who then has to take it and hold it for 24 hours by Georgia law and then take it to the bottle shop and then they sell it to you. So that's the three tiers. That being said... So it's good and bad. There's definitely good aspects. There's definitely bad aspects. But uh, the reason why I'm really surfing these places is because I want to make sure that the people are enjoying the beer. Are the lines clean at those places? I mean, there's a lot of different factors. There's so many things that go into it. Also, also, we're very small. Um, We're a very, very small operation. We... Right now, we are putting more hands into the quality control and the brewing side of it than we are really on the on the sales focus side. Right. I'm actually using these websites to see where our beer is being purchased. Then I can go back to those places and thank them for purchasing our beer right. and making sure that everything worked out for them. So, so have yeah. you ever been to a place, like a restaurant or a bar... And somebody's purchasing your beer, and you see them there. What? what Absolutely. Kind of, what's that feel like? How does uh, it go? It's it's oh, it's truly amazing. Uh, there's even been times where I tell the bartender, "Hey, put that beer on my tab." You know, and it, nice. it's just a, it's a way to really just show that customer that I really just I, I truly appreciate them ordering our product. It's it's they don't. There's a lot of other beers out there. And a lot of beer. Right now, I am trying the gingerbread stout. Walk me through this beer because oh. I mean, there's ginger root, there's dry ginger root. Tell me about this joint, man. Oh man, the gingerbread. Stout. Yeah, gingerbread Stout is uh, is where it's at. This is uh, we originally brewed this beer with uh, gingerbread stout. We originally brewed this beer as a collaboration with a uh, good good friend of ours, Growler Shop over in Marietta Schoolhouse Growlers. Show them some out. love. Shout out. Show them so, some love. So Schoolhouse Growlers over in Marietta. Uh, Thomas over there, great guy. So he's a homebrew shop, loves to teach homebrew, loves to spread education. We're all about it. A focal point of us calling ourselves a cooperative is education. We focus on education, community, and sustainability. But education's where it's at. So uh, so he came up with this idea. He said, I want to brew a gingerbread stout, and this is what I want to do. And we said, okay, great. So we brewed this nice. beer last year. Well, this year we decided to kick it up a notch. Mm. Uh, this is one of my favorite uh, beers that we brewed late last year. And I, and I absolutely just love this beer. So, uh, last year the beer is a little bit lower alcohol, 6%. We decided to kick it up. Um, it's uh, 7.5% this year, and we, we we boosted it. So, we outsourced the cinnamon. We, we got some uh, Vietnamese cinnamon shipped in. The cinnamon is Vietnamese top-notch. cinnamon? Vietnamese cinnamon. How the hell did you get some Vietnamese cinnamon? Vietnamese cinnamon, well, so, <laughs> when you think of what the that standout flavor of Red Hots or an Atomic Fireball, yeah, yeah. that tea we feel it on your tongue. That is Vietnamese cinnamon. Ooh, is, the nose on this. So, is, I'm, I, as I'm sniffing again now, like my God, it like so we it, got, it cleanses the palate. It opens the nostrils a little bit. So we got this Vietnamese cinnamon. We got dry ginger. We got fresh ginger. Oh man. We uh, we uh, there's one bag on the top. So we. Um, they, we got fresh ginger root. Oh my god! We went and got a few pounds of ginger root from our from the from the uh, farmers market down the road. Came Ooh. ground that fresh ginger up. We also added molasses, Ooh. honey, and some lactose, some milk sugar to cream it up a little bit. So this beer, we kicked it up. We're adding that honey. We definitely added more honey to it and increased that alcohol level. So seven and a half percent. And we Salute. are digging it. We're digging it. And I mean, again, if you want to know about beers like this. Tune in to Beer Days each and every week on the Cincinnati Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. I am here at Cherry Street in Cumming, Georgia. I've been able to keep it clean. 
I want to come in Georgia. Yeah. I want to keep it clean because, man, you can go some places after drinking a few of these high-gravity beers. So what is your philosophy on beer? You know, our, our philosophy on beer is um, from day one, from, from the very beginning. It's always been we brew small batches, we brew fresh beer, and we have a variety. We are about fresh and variety. So at this moment, we have 28 different beers on draft, five different beers in bottles that we're pouring from. We brew four to five days a week, and every week we are brewing at least two brand new recipes. So, so grind, man. It's uh, you know, it's it, it is what it is. But ne- like next week, next week. At the beginning of this week, we were able to tweak some stuff on our schedule. We have a gap in, a, in, a, in an opening. So we decided out of nowhere, we're going to brew a Weizenbach. Okay. Let's brew a Weizenbach. So I've always really, really loved uh, Aventinus uh, Weizenbach. And so, uh, so I did some research, looked around, got some characteristics of it, and um, we're gonna bust out a Weizenbach next week. You guys are uh, playing, man. Really, really happy about that. You know, it's and that's that's what I love about who who we are and what we're doing. Our system is small enough. We have enough auxiliary tanks that we can just brew whatever we want to brew. We're not held down by any sales numbers or anything at all. So it's all about it's all about us producing great beer and having a variety. You got a barrel that is just. Um, you know, actually, it's a, it's a really good thing. I think uh, next summer we need to brew a batch of it next summer, get some quality bourbon barrels, age it for six months, and serve it. I mean, yeah. because, like, I can imagine if you got some Heaven Hill or Four Roses bourbon barrels, that little Buffalo Trace, one of those, has a little bit of spice. It'll just even it out so well. It's spicy, but it's not over the top. I, yes. I, I'm in love with this gingerbread. No, style. it's a perfect beer, man. I couldn't get enough of it last year, and this year when we when we put it on the schedule, this is for Christmas, again, man. I, I said to the guys, I said, guys, what do you guys, what do you think about kicking it up a notch? And they were all about it. Six percent, you know, six percent, you can get by with that with a stout. But seven and a half percent. No, this, this is going man here. This is this like. Is Sitting by the fire. Oh, oh yeah. Enjoying myself. Well, we are sitting by the fire. We got the nice fire on yes, our, uh, TV here. And by the way, this spot is up in Cumming, Georgia. Tell people where they can find you guys. So we this is uh, we're we're currently sitting at the bar at Cherry Street Tap Room. Cherry Street Tap Room is connected to Cherry Street Brewing Cooperative that's partnered with Rick Tanner's Grill and Bar. Salute. We're in uh, Vickery Village up in uh, South Forsyth, just north of Atlanta, and uh, been here a little over seven years as the restaurant. Been Our four-year anniversary is this week, so uh, just just, just re- really humble and grateful that now after four years of brewing beer that we can start to bottle and get our bottles out there. So we got a lot of, a lot of fun stuff on the horizon. We're working on a new IPA right now. Ooh, tell me about this IPA. Right, so um, they're, they're the big trend in the world, right, in the, in the, in the country is this uh, New England, this Nor'easter yeah, style the juicy, IPA. This juicy IPA, right? Cloudy, well, danky. Yeah. Well, if you really get down to the fundamentals of this beer, uh, the fundamentals of this uh, juicy uh, Nor'easter IPA is is uh, that of not the best uh, brewing techniques, but more so of trying to brew beer fast enough to get it out initially. Right. You know, then things have other breweries have taken off with it. Well, yeah. what we're at is we're going to take those techniques um, that they're doing and we're going to we're going to do them well. So we're brewing a eight percent IPA. 
It's uh, definitely That's different. already big boy. It's an 8%. eight percent. So not it's, playing. it's got yeah. some nice alcohol to it. Uh, but we're not hopping it like a normal American uh, West Coast style IPA in the, in the boil. Uh, it's going to have a decent uh, boil addition. We're using some mosaic hops in the beginning of boil. But we're not adding any more hops till the very end of boil. We're waiting so, all wait, the way. So, the audience, like, a mosaic hop and what that is. Like, so the floral hop is a is hop you get on the taste. So like, mosaic. Mosaic hops a newer variety. It's been around for a handful of years now, and mosaic hops are very fruity. They got a lot of like blueberry character to them. Um, uh, mosaic hops are very so for the versatile. Product, get it on the nose and so, on the tongue. So depending on depending on uh, kind of where the hop, mosaic hops are grown, you can have anywhere from passion fruit to uh, to, to blueberry fruit uh, mm-hmm. characteristics out of this hop. So we really like this hop. So um, so the New England IPAs are really all about uh, a decent amount of upfront bitterness. But it's not about being a bitter IPA. It's about being a hoppy IPA. And there is a difference there. Bitter and hoppy are two totally different things. So we actually take all those hops and we add them at the end of the boil. At the very end. We turn the, the heat off, add them there. And then what, we, what we're what we doing on this next round that we just brewed this week, actually. Oh, so and the thing. We doubled the amount of hops that we add at the end of the boil. Straight up. I'm talking straight up. Not just like, oh, a double IPA is from 6% to 8%. No, we added double the amount of hops. Where we were adding 5 pounds to the end of boil, we're now adding 10 pounds at the end of boil. 10 so, pounds. So then we go into the fermentation. Fermentation tweaks it a little bit. We're actually adding two full rounds of dry hops now in fermentation. All of our other Not beers, brilliant. all of our other beers, except for Thunder Hops. Thunder Hops, our triple IPA in the Hoppy Balboa series, is a double dry hop beer. But this beer is double dry hop. So we dry hop the beer during fermentation, which means we take as many hops as we add in the boil kettle and add them while the beer is fermenting. Once, once the beer is done fermenting, we add that many more hops back into it again. Yep. What we're trying to create Grinding. is a pillowy, soft, delicate, fruity, cushion, fluffy beer. Facts. This isn't bitter. This isn't thick. It isn't chewy. It's not sharp. It doesn't cut your tongue in half. Right. It's just very soft, but very delicate, but with plenty, plenty of character. And we're all about it. So that's, I just finished that one before I drank the gingerbread. Uh, I love it. It's my new favorite beer that we're brewing. And I can't believe I just said that because I'm not supposed to pick favorites. I mean, but hey, man, look, I, one of the things on Beard is, on Sisman Network, is hey, we ask, what is your favorite? What do you like? And, like, every parent has a favorite kid, and may not admit it. Every brewer has a favorite beer. And that's your favorite. That's your favorite. Well, I had it. It still changes, right? I used to have a favorite for the past four years. So. What was the favorite for the past four? West LA IPA, our other IPA. The West LA, yeah, that was a good one, man. I, I had but that it, beer. But it changes. That could still be my favorite depending on what time of day you ask me. Right. And, see, and that's, I think the same way. I mean, it's real. Like, same way with a parent with the kids. Like. And, it, and then again, I not favorite. The one that I tend to drink the most of. And look, <laughs> I think it's one of those things that when you make beer and you're in the scene, like, you have the things you like. Have things you enjoy. You make it well. You make it work. It's a crazy business. But, I mean, you mentioned the blueberry. There's a beer you have with blackberry. Right. So, um, so we have a tequila barrel-aged beer right now, actually. It's a Gremlin Golden. Uh, Golden Gremlin. Oh, and I it's can't a, wait. I, I got some of that. It's a uh, it's a tequila port barrel. This is a, actually we got a we got a eight eight barrels earlier this year. Very unique barrels. 
These were port barrels that then aged tequila. So these aren't typical tequila barrels. Because uh, the port wine is one thing. Most tequila barrels have previously aged whiskey, mm-hmm. where these previously aged wine. Oh, so the, so and port the, wines are awesome. So the characteristic in part is totally different. So, uh, and the and the happy the happy thing about it is we didn't even know that going into it. We got them and realized that they were wine barrels and port barrel wine, and not. But you went with it. whiskey barrels. So we brewed. Belgian Golden Strong. Aged this Belgian Golden Strong in these tequila barrels for about four, four and a half months. Took the beer out of the barrels and blended it with blackberries and dry hopped it with Hollandauer Blanc. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So picture like, for, for those who are out there, I'm listeners from literally California all the way back east to Georgia. So picture Victor Golden Monkey, which is a good beer, the base. Picture that and then being... Having the blackberry, having the port wine, and then still coming out, but better because it's local. And that's what you have in this beer, right? That's what I see. This is a, it's a truly unique beer. I, it's we released. Is this on the style? It kind of reminds me of that style. So, so this past weekend was our four-year anniversary. Salute. We four released years. we released four different barrel age, actually five different barrel age. Well, we actually released a lot of different <laughs> barrel age beers. But the barrel age beers that we released for bottles, these aren't just like your average run-of-the-mill barrel age beers. These aren't just like oh, I'm going to take a stout and age it in a bourbon barrel and call it a bourbon barrel age stout. No. No, we, we, these are really unique beers. We took uh, the first one I'm going to describe, our lightest beer. It's a Chardonnay Triple. We took our Belgian Triple that we had, uh, we, we, we brewed with coriander and orange peel, and we aged it in Napa Valley Chardonnay barrels uh, for, for, for four months. And that's very Christmassy um, in and of itself. Oh, man, just it's phenomenal. Yeah, just the characteristics and everything yeah. that comes out of it. It's just it's, it's an experience in itself. Second beer that we did was a, um, a Belgian Red Ale aged in these tequila port barrels and then once that uh, beer came out of the barrels it's called Riff Raff yeah, oh, once it came out it. once it came out of the barrels Riff Raff then we dry hopped it with more, with Mosaic and Simcoe hops uh, we added all those juicy really juicy danky hops to really balance with that tequila character and all that uh, sweet caramel malt character that came from the Belgian Red Ale oh, love that beer Third, we um, we took a a Scottish wee heavy, a a double boiled the bagpipe warrior, bagpipe warrior. Yo, this I almost a, I almost fought somebody over that here today here because like no, they poured me up a sample like four four ounce sample. I had a sip. I went to the restroom and I came back and somebody was like trying to go. Oh, hey man, hold on, bro. Nope, can't do that. That beer was amazing. Thank you. I Thank mean, you. seriously, like, that was, um, I like Monday Night's Drafty Kilt, which is a cocktail as well, and then they barrel-aged that beer, too. Like, yeah. you know, oh, beer. great. Great. But I think, and I know Jonathan Baker and those guys are going to be mad at you for saying this, but I'm being honest, your beer is better. Oh, Peter, you hear that, Peter? Yeah, by, the way, by the way, Peter, you owe me a date. He <laughs> does, because he was supposed to come on. Peter was supposed to come on my podcast a week ago, but that's all the conversation. No, Peter. But, but that being so, said, so we had the opportunity. We had the opportunity of getting these McAllen Scotch barrels. So we did they help you with those. So what's that? Did it help you, or just somebody else got McAllen? Somebody else. Okay, yeah. nice. Okay, yeah. So we aged um, our double boiled. We took the first runnings off the beer, boiled them in a separate pot, then the second runnings off the beer. Oh I can explain God. that later, but it just really yes. created a totally different beer. So we literally double boiled this beer, blended it together, 
and then uh, aged them in this Macallan Scotch barrels for about nine months. So, in wow. summary, guys, when you see this beer and it costs you 15, 16, 18 bucks at a place, don't don't go on rate beer all these places talking crap about it. Understand no. that no. it costs money to brew it and it costs money to get it, and therefore that's. It's, and it's worth every penny. Well, I think uh, I think nowadays price price is all relative, and um, there's different places out there that are charging more than they should. But well, yeah, but, I, this but, but, but we're really proud of, of where we're at and what we charge, and we're not gouging. But that's a different story for another day as well. But uh, but Backpack Warrior is just a hell of a beer. Uh, that is a really good beer. I mean, seriously. I mean, like, and shout out to Peter, shout out to John, shout out to all those guys over there at Monday night. But it it, it kind of gives me that because not too many places do a Scotch ale. And that's supposed to do a brown, but the Scotch Ale, it reminds me of that, but the barrels you age it on just smooths that out even more. It makes it a really fun beer. Well, thank you. Then the, um, then the other uh, Belgian, one of the other barrel-aged beers we released in bottles this weekend is called Red Rum. Now, talk, oh, that's a fun one. Now, talk about a talk about a stressful beer. The uh, yeah, number talk about uh, man. So, we, how we got to this red rum? We we got some uh, rum barrels at the beginning of this year. We took one of our top, our uh, crowd favorite. It's our Dylan's Double, Belgian Double. Yeah. We aged the Dylan's Double in rum barrels. Well, after about four or five months, it didn't do much. Right. The flavor was great, but it lost all the body. Ah, oh, yeah. It lost flat. all the body. Yeah, yeah. So we just, we said, hey, we can't scrap this beer. No. We can do something with it. So what we decided to do, we took a Belgian quad. We brewed a Belgian quad and blended the Belgian quad with the rum barrel-aged Dylan's Double and and put that into red wine barrels. Nice. And then we aged that for another four months. So it got aged for four months in rum barrels, blended with a much stronger, bigger beer, and then aged for another four months in red wine barrels. That's a grind. And boy, howdy, the flavors that come out of that, you cannot even believe. It has flavors from the red wine barrel. It's got flavors from the rum barrel. It's got characteristics And the nose on it, it's just magnifique. I mean, it is, I, it is a it is a fruit, just a red fruit bomb, just cherry and raspberry and cherry pit. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And that's why we're into craft beer for beers like that. And so salute to Cherry Street. Again, listen to beer it is. My name is Tobias Wilborn. Here on the Sixth Minute Network. I'm here at Cherry Street in Cumming, Georgia. Still being good. Haven't gone too far. I haven't gone to Jamal Anderson. And so, you know, we kind of keep it clean. But I really appreciate what these guys are doing. Everything that Riff Raff Red. Oh, the Red Rum. I mean, the Golden Gremlin. Oh, yeah. They're brewing some amazing beer here. Awesome. Uh, coming up here on uh, December 23rd, we're going to be Pay releasing attention. bottles of gr- Golden Gremlin in-house. Pay so attention. So we got, we got a limited amount of this Golden Gremlin. This Golden Gremlin, that's that tequila barrel-aged Belgian Golden Strong with blackberries and dry hops with hollow towels. And here's the thing. So the tequila won't change the color of that beer. It's going to still be that golden color. And it's going to have the nose. Everything you look for is going to pour up well. 
on December 23rd. So when you hear the podcast, make sure you let these guys know that you heard it from me. And oh, got to come get some of these bottles. And show them some love because... next uh, This coming Friday, one week, one week from today. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be awesome. Listen, Nick... Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come up here today. We, we, we always enjoy having visitors come up, but anytime we can sit down and talk about some beer, I'm all about it. Guys, once again, here it is. Goodbye, Sulborn. And we're out.